0: so when jesus was on the earth walking on the earth and he would go around people wanted to bring uh, their children to jesus so that he would bless them and it was interesting because the disciples would always say it happened multiple times the disciples would say nope don't have time for the kids." Right there's people to heal, there's things to do, there's adults to deal with, so uh, keep the kids away. But Jesus would always say, "No, no, 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 no. Let the children come to me. I love the kids." And, and I think sometimes we uh, we tend to overlook the children in the Scripture and what they do and what God did through them. So we're going we're gonna to have this series where we talk about the children and, and talk about how God used children in different ways. So we have different stories. So obviously, uh, the story today is the story of David and Goliath, the story of a young man. And we're not going to reread the story, but I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn there with me because we will be looking at the passage of Scripture. So it's First Samuel 17, and verse 34 is where we'll start where we'll be hanging out today, if you will. And so just keep your your finger there, if you will, and let me give you a little background of the story of what's happening. So uh, Saul was rejected by God as king, King Saul. And so God went to Samuel and said, Samuel, I've picked a new king, and I want you to anoint him. Samuel did not like that idea because he thought the current king would kill him for doing that. And so he was led, but he, was said, he did it anyway, so he was led to a man named Jesse. And he went to Jesse and said, uh, I need to meet your sons. And so Jesse lined up his sons, and Samuel went down the line. And the oldest one was big and strong, and he was a handsome, handsome man, and, and he was taller than the other ones. And, and Samuel looked at him and said, this must be the one God has selected to be king. And then there's that famous line from uh, from the, the scripture where, where God says, Samuel, people look on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. He's not the one. So he went through the line of all the sons, and not one of them was the one that God selected. And so Samuel said, do you have any more kids, any more boys? He said, yeah, there's David, but he's out there watching the sheep. He's the youngest. Uh, I don't know what you want to do with him. And so he said, bring him to me, found out he was the one that God wanted to be king, the youngest son who would never ever become king, God was the one who was selected. So we go on in the story, and uh, the Israelite army was in battle with the Philistines. And so they got to this point where uh, they were on, uh, there was a valley between the two armies, and they were up on hillsides looking at each other, and nobody was doing anything. They were just waiting for something to happen, so Jesse sent David to check on his brothers who were on the front line, and he came with care packages and those sorts of things, and, uh, and while he was there, he saw what the Israelite army saw every day. Goliath, he was nine feet, eight inches tall, so uh, experts have looked at it and think there was probably something wrong with his pituitary gland, hope something was wrong, because he was like four feet taller than the average height of a, of a man in that day and time, so big fella, right? And so he came out every day, and Goliath did, and he came out every day and he would challenge the Israelite army and say, hey, send your best, best warrior over and let's have this out and we don't have to kill all these people. Just one of us will die. And if I win, you become our servants. If he wins, then we'll become your servants. Twice a day, he'd come out and do that. And see, you have to understand that in those times, if we went to war, it was your God against my God. And if I won, my God's bigger than your God. And the Israelite army was terrified of this guy. He had a reputation. He'd won a lot of battles. So David was there and he heard Goliath say this, and David was ticked off. You're challenging my God. So David said, I'll fight him. His brother said, David, be quiet. Don't know what you're doing. No, I'll fight him. So Saul found out. He went to Saul and said, "I'll fight him." And Saul said, "No, no, you can't fight him. You're too young. You're too young. All right." And so that's where we pick up. And so several, several things that I want to point out as we go through the story. So look with me, verses thirty-four through thirty-seven. <clears throat> and here here's what happened. So David had just said, "You're you're you're too young. You can't do this." Verse thirty-four. David said to Saul. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. This next part's interesting. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Now, can you see that picture? A bear's coming after me, and I grab it by the hair, and then I hit it. Wow. This is a kid. 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine uh, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. All right, so here's what I want us to see first of all, is that God is continually preparing us to accomplish his purposes. Hear me say that again. God is continually preparing us to accomplish his purposes. In in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote, he said, we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, prepared, being prepared to do the good works he established for us to do. In other words, the idea is in the Greek is that that God from the beginning, before the beginning of time, looked at you and looked at me and said, there are things I want you to accomplish for me. There are things that I want you to do. I have created you to do these things, and so I will prepare you to do those things that I want you to do. And David said to Saul, listen, I know this guy's huge, and I know he's mocking us, but here's the deal. God has prepared me for this moment. I'm not afraid. He's prepared me for this. I have fought the bear. I have fought the lion. I have killed them. I can kill him. I don't care if he's nine feet ages as tall. As God's prepared me for this moment, and I'm ready. And see, I think it's important for us to understand as we go through this journey called life, when good or bad things happen to us, God is preparing us to accomplish His purposes. You know, there's nobody that can help somebody go through cancer more than somebody who's already done it. There's nobody that can help somebody go through a job loss more than somebody who's already been through it. And on the positive side, there's not anybody that can encourage you in parenting more than somebody who's been successful doing it. Those kinds of things. And and so God is, is preparing us to accomplish His ministry and His purposes, whatever it is He wants to do. And I think we have to understand in the story of David and the story of all of us that God is preparing us to accomplish what He wants done. And that's the priority always. I remember about 10 years ago, and again, all the years run together, so I don't know if that's exactly right, but there was a young lady who was killed in a car wreck. Uh, She was loosely associated with our church, and so we were asked to do the service, and I was asked to speak in it, and uh, I, I have to be honest, I was just a tad bit petrified when I walked in, and there was every seat in this room was full and people standing all around the wall. like, wow, this is a big moment. Now, had that moment happened to me 20 years earlier, I probably would have had a stroke. Okay? And I'm not joking because when I go back in history, when I first felt God leading me to be a pastor, or as I like to say, tricked me into being a pastor, I I, I say, listen, I I told God, I said, I I will gladly do that as long as I never have to preach a sermon, uh, I mean a, a funeral. That's right, for somehow I convinced in my head that I would always pastor the healthiest congregations in, in the country, and nobody would ever die. And I said, God, I'm all in. I'll, I'll do this for 50 years if you want me to, as long as I never, ever have to do a funeral. Well, the first pastorate, um, I averaged more than three funerals a month for three years. I think God just kind of chuckled. What else you can tell me you're not going to do? So I never do that anymore. Um, so, but, but through that process then, and, and I'm not saying that I'm excellent at doing funerals or anything, but, but when I came <laughs> into that moment, when I stepped in and, and this place was packed, it was like, okay, still scared, but 400 funerals in, we're going to make it through. Because God prepared me for that moment. So here's what I want you, want you to, to, to just hear me say this, clearly that your journey in this life God is constantly preparing you to do stuff for him see as followers of Jesus it's not about us anymore it's about him and so we go on this journey and when good things or bad things happen God is preparing us to accomplish his purposes Well, oh, that's key and David as a boy he got it God prepared me for this moment. I'm I'm in. I'll do it. And so I think we have to be able to say yes. And and just let me say as a side note, um, fear is is not a lack of being afraid, right? I mean, courage is is not a lack of, of being afraid. Courage is being afraid and going anyway, right? And so David had courage. Not in his own ability necessarily, but in God's, as we'll see. So, it goes on. Uh, The next part I want us to see, uh, we continue on. Verse 38. uh, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. And he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in, in, in the pouch in a shepherd's bag, um, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Saul looked at David and said, Okay, you're a kid, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to make you look like a soldier. We're going to dress you like a soldier, and we're going to prepare you for this battle. And so um, Saul believed David would lose. He said, But if you're going to lose, we're going to lose looking great. Right? So David put on all of this soldier gear, and he walked around, and he's like, I can't even walk in this stuff. This isn't how I killed the bear and the lion, so he, he took it off. And, and so I, I want us to just stop, and, and this is real important. It's okay to be who God made you to be. David said, I, I would, I'm not a soldier yet. I'm not old enough. I've never walked around in this. This is who I am. I'm a shepherd that knows how to use a slang. That's all I've got. Later in Psalm 139, David wrote this about himself. He said, you knit me together, talking to God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. And each and every one of us, when we look in the mirror, we are looking at somebody that, t- that God took the time to make us just like we are. He put us together to be who we are. And we live in a culture and a time when the culture is working so hard to convince us we need to be somebody else. We need to strive to be something different than God made us to be. And the truth is, it's okay to be you. It's okay to be who God made you to be. It's okay that you have the talents and the gifts that you have. It's okay that you're just like you are. You don't have to try and be someone else. Be you. God spent a lot of time working on you to be you. Why do we fight it so hard? I see it in individuals who spend their lives in careers where they're absolutely miserable doing something that God never designed them to do. But hey, they make a lot of money, so okay. But yet they're miserable. I I see parents trying to force their children into being something that they were never designed to be. You're going to be an all-star baseball player in the, in the major leagues, even though you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. That's who you're going to be, right? It'd be like my parents trying to make me a ballet dancer. That would have been really funny. Yes, this is not a ballet body. No matter what we do to it or how much weight we lose, it's not, See, too many times we we try to force people into our understanding of what they should be like, but God never designed us to be that way. David knew that. I am who I am. I'm going to do what I can do, but I can't do it on your terms, Saul. This is who God made me to be. There's a fascinating movie with Meryl Streep of Florence Foster Jenkins, Seen that story, seen that movie? Uh, It's a true story. It's based on a true story of a lady who was in New York City, born in the late 1800s, died in the 1940s somewhere. Um, And she was a very good pianist. Uh, She got uh, arthritis in her hands and couldn't play the piano, so she fancied herself as an opera singer. And it turns out she was horrible. She believed with everything in her, she was one of the greatest opera singers in history. And so what they did, though, because she was a socialite and wealthy, she would have little concerts and people would show up and they would only invite selected people to come who they agreed and paid would give her good reviews in the paper. And she would stand and sing, sing and she was awful. There were people who walk out because they couldn't stand it or they were laughing so hard. But the reviews in the paper, she was great. And so she had convinced herself and convinced with money that that the world, that she was an amazing opera singer. And she finally convinced people to let her sing in Carnegie Hall. And they gave tickets away and filled up Carnegie Hall. And she was awful. Until finally, one of the most respected reviewers gave her a horrible review in the paper. And then maybe at that point, there's, there's debate about whether she always knew she was a bad singer and just didn't care or whatever. But she fancied herself to be something she was not. My goodness, why do we fight God? Why do we fight who God made us to be? Why do we pretend to be something we're not? I encourage all of us, especially around our children, to encourage them to be who God designed them to be. Right? Not who we want them to be, but who God designed them to be. All right. Last thing here. We'll continue on. <clears throat> Verse 45. So David goes out to the battle. Verse forty five, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have, have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistines or I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David knew as a young boy something that many of us spend a lifetime never learning. Everything is about God. Everything's about Jesus for us as followers of Jesus. It's all about Him. See, David believed he could win the battle, but he believed he could win the battle not only because he was good with a sling, but because God was going to win victory. That's what he said. He said, you come to me with all these great weapons, but I, I come to you in the name of the Lord, and the Lord's going to win because he's victorious, and it's all about him. It's all about who he wants to be, me to be. It's all about what he wants to accomplish. It's all about his glory and his design, and, and, and our lives as followers of Jesus, that's why we're here. We exist to bring honor and glory to God. David knew that as a kid. We need to know it as adults. It's all about him. I'm reminded of the story of Elisha. Elijah had been the prophet and and a very powerful prophet. And one day, Elisha was out plowing the field. And he had oxen pulling his plow. And Elijah came up and put his cloak around Elisha and said, You're the next prophet. And so Elijah was walking off. Elisha ran him down and said, hey, before I follow you, let me go say goodbye. And Elijah (laughs) Elijah said, what have I done to you? This is God's deal, not mine, basically is what he said. So Elisha left and he went back and he didn't say goodbye to his family. Here's what he did. He killed the oxen that were pulling the plow. He took the plow, tore it into pieces, built a fire, sacrificed the oxen. And then he chased after Elijah. Now think about that. What Elisha said was, you know what? There's no going back now. I'm all in. It's all about God. It's all about him and what he wants to accomplish. It's all about what he wants to to take place in my life. It's all about him now. It's not about me anymore. And whatever he requires of me, whatever he wants of me, I'm never coming back to this life because I'm pursuing him with all that I have. David lived a lot of his life that way. He was not perfect by any stretch. But he went to battle and said, "Victory's the Lord's, not mine. And I think it's important for us as we go through this life journey to always remember the battles we fight, the spiritual battles, they're not about us. They're about Him. They're about Him receiving glory and honor. They're about Him being lifted up and celebrated. They're about what He wants to accomplish and who He is. So I I think it's essential for us to, to be reminded that everything we do as followers of Jesus is about our audience of one. It's about bringing Him honor and glory. So One of the things that we're going to do in this series is we have some cards that we're going to give you each week, and we have some of our, uh, some of our children here going to pass out these blue cards to everybody. All right, and so when you get the card, uh, it'll be blank, and today it says, I can stand up for God like David by Now, here's the challenge. First of all, for you to fill out this card, how can I be like David and stand up for God and, and do what he's called me to do, right? And, and so you to fill it out. Now, the, the second thing is if you have children, is to sit down with your kids and talk about this question and answer it together. And so children, hear me say this. Uh, if your parents don't do this or they forget, remind them annoyingly until they do. Okay? Say, Mom, Dad, when are we going to talk about the card? There's something I want to share with you? All right? So what we'll do is we'll take the card, and you can talk about it over lunch today. You can talk about it this afternoon, but be sure and take time to do this. So I put, I can stand up for God like David by sharing the truth about Jesus on the college campus when I teach over there. And you're, you're, standing, up for, you're standing up for God maybe at school. It may be at a relative's house. It may be at a restaurant. I, I don't know. But how is God leading you to stand up for him? How is God challenging you to take that step forward and do what he's called you to do? And so we encourage you as your families to, to take some time and talk about those things this week and uh, have some conversations. And if there's no children involved in your journey right now, then have those conversations with some friends. Friends.